Thanks for joining us. This is I'm Paul Spontia. I'm the CEO of the IT company um, of the group on this call today. I am simply here to be the moderator. So I uh, I'm not the expert. I'm just the moderator. So uh, we've done this is our fourth I think our fourth maybe our third actual webinar um, and then uh, Chris and I did a, a video as well on this and really what we've tried to do is just provide um, some some input from some of the people that I know who understand this this category on uh, just what's going on with this small business loan uh, um, grant whatever we're going to call it the, the pay, paycheck protection program lots changed and so this one is really uh, probably some of the most significant changes have recently happened and uh, and so this is an opportunity for us just to catch everybody up so I want to really let everybody introduce themselves Chris Adam Alicia so we'll start with you, Chris, just quick introduction. Yes, uh, I'm Chris Trump. I uh, am an attorney at Edgerton McAfee, and I practice in uh, the area of business lending, uh, amongst others. Um, and uh, I also represent a lot of uh, both banks and borrowers in, in transactions, uh, commercial lending, business lending transactions. And um, some of those uh, include SBA loans. And so uh, we have been tracking as a firm PP loans uh, the in, you know through, since their their inception and um, and so this is this is a, a this has been some of the best uh, guidance like timely guidance we've received so far <laughs> so uh, looking forward to share that with you. Um, Adam Slack, president of Two Roads, and I'm, I'm going to consider myself a co-moderator today as well. Um, <laughs> Alicia Gates from our team is on. She's our resident expert of all things. COVID slash PPP when it comes to government stuff and I asked her to come participate today. So you actually learned something. Um, so I'll be here to potentially answer any questions, but we're mostly going to turn it over to Alicia and Chris and I will also be leaving a little bit early. So Alicia. Yeah, so I'm Alicia Gates. I've been with Two Roads now for several years. Um, CPA and tax world and all things research related to COVID, PPP, EIDL loans. So I'm deep into reading all the regulations. So hopefully uh, we're able to share some helpful knowledge today. So we're going to sort of the way that we're going to run this today, um, Adam and I will just sort of moderate questions. So feel free in the Q&A button um, at the bottom to please um, ask any questions that you may already have or while um, they're talking. Um, uh, Chris and Alicia are gonna kind of run things. Chris is gonna go over what is new and Alicia is gonna provide, I think, some just technical input as well on some of those topics. And then uh, as Adam and I maybe see a question or hear something that we feel like needs some clarification, we will jump in. But uh, I'm gonna turn it over to Chris. Well, I, if you've been on any of these other seminars, you'll see I'm a little informal day. I'm actually off today, um, although uh, I have had a couple of calls, but uh, I am going very, very uh, relaxed and dressed down today. Um, <clears throat> but um, before we get started, I just want to provide a little bit of context. Um, as you're aware, um, the PPP loan program was created by the CARES Act, and there, there has been a quite a roller coaster ride. Um, you know, Initially, it was a it was a it was a hastily put together program. Um, we had a very short timeline to use proceeds, and um, it, without a lot of guidance along the way, um, this um, the nice thing is this flexibility act really um, kind of takes uh, a lot of the pressure off. Um, you know, we've all been trying to figure out how 
you know, how the SBA and the Department of Treasury are going to handle certain situations. Um, you know, in on June 5th, um, Congress and President signed and passed, and Con President Trump signed into law the flexibility Paycheck Protection Program Flexibility Act of 2020, um, and um, and it it really it took a lot of pressure off, um, mainly because uh, as a lot of people were very concerned about how am I going to get my loan forgiven, and um, and so uh, one of some changes that in, are in this act made it very much easier for that to be accomplished now um, and take a lot of the the kind of gamesmanship out of it that was kind of forced upon us uh, with the prior. Um, uh, you know, law and uh, rulemaking, the, um, or I should say absence of rulemaking. Um, so, so now we've got, um, you know, the, the CARES, the Flexibility Act, and then we have, uh, you know, issued guidance underneath that. And so we have a pretty good, pretty clear picture of, of, uh, you know, how things change now. And, and, and it, you know, again, takes a lot of that out of it. Um, so the, the plan is to kind of, I'm going to walk through uh, the various changes that were, um, enacted by the Flexibility Act. Um, and as I do, Alicia's gonna kind of um, kind of jump in there. And if I miss a spot, I'll try and cue you. But uh, if I miss a spot, Alicia's gonna jump in and provide some kind of planning opportunities or, or implications, um, you know, of some of the changes um, so that you can, you know, begin to um, do make changes to how you uh, accomplish your, your forgiveness application uh, and administer your loan proceeds. So um, one of the, the first big thing that, uh, um, well, there's a couple of, couple of categories, we'll say, we'll just kind of group them in, in terms of the changes by the Flexibility Act. Um, there were some changes to the actual loan repayment terms. Um, there, there, and there are also changes to kind of criteria for forgiveness. Um, and uh, those are the two kind of groupings. So I want to start with just the the loan pay, repayment terms because they're not as kind of um, important I think from terms of planning perspective as much. Um, so the the first thing it did is uh, and, and and think something to keep in mind here is kind of an odd situation because we've got this you know the act was the flexibility act was passed on June fifth so loans that were um, you know closed after June fifth have a set of rules applied to them uh, the loans that were closed before June 5th generally have um, the same rules that are, that are applicable to them as before with um, you know in terms of the, the, the payment terms um, however you have the ability to kind of opt into these new payment terms by if the, the borrower and the lender agree to do so so some lenders I, I don't think are actually making any changes um, to their their the, the loans that were closed June 5th they're really looking at this more of a prospective basis um, the, the forgiveness terms will apply to everyone because that those those terms aren't, aren't actually in your loan um, loan documentation. That's something that is just outside. There's an, you know, as you know, there's, there's an application that's been submitted uh, or created uh, by the SBA. So, so generally speaking, those apply without you doing anything to it. However, you do have the ability, even on some of those loan forgiveness terms, to elect to use the prior rules, um, the rules prior to. So, for example, if you've done all your planning and um, and based on this eight-week period, you know you can you know, forgiveness period. You know, you got eight weeks to use the the loan proceeds. Um, then you can you can still do that. You can still uh, you know, elect to have that eight-week period apply. So, um, but unless you do, the new rules apply to give you a little bit of a context there. So, in terms of the loan loan payment terms, 
Um, two big pieces of information that came from the Flexibility Act. Um, loans closed after June 5th can now have, a, will now automatically have a five-year maturity date rather than a two-year maturity date. Um, so that'll stretch out the, the payments. Um, if you got a pretty big significant sum, then that could be a, a pretty big nut every month, uh, even with just a 2% interest rate, but now it is five years. Uh, that'll, that'll reduce that principal and interest payment, um, the amortization will result in a lower payment every month. Uh, that I think would be very helpful. Um, and then um, again, if you if you close prior to June fifth, you you'd have to go to your lender and basically say, can we modify this to a, to have a five year maturity date? Um, the other change that happened was uh, a change of the defer deferral period. So um, it was basically a flat six months under the prior um, CARES Act, um, and and then with the Flexibility Act, it extended that that date to. Um, well, it's, it's, it's kind of contingent, okay? Um, if you apply for forgiveness um, within, and get a decision back from the SBA within um, um, the 10 month period following your loan closing, or the end of your cover period, your forgiveness period, which we'll talk about that in just a moment. Um, basically, your, your, your principal and interest payments begin um, to base the, the after the date by which uh, on which the SBA remits its its decision to the lender on your forgiveness. Okay, so whether they tell you they either tell you how much it's all totally forgiven, or some of it's totally forgiven, or none of it's being forgiven, that decision um, and the forgiveness amount that is associated once that's given to the lender, um, at that point your payment will begin, and you'll have to look at your this your again this is for those that loans that closed after June fifth, so you need to look at um, your your um, um, your loan documentation, see exactly how it's worded. I've had to do some some language for for various lenders to help them out with that. Um, if you do not apply for forgiveness, then it's based basically it starts within ten months of the, the end of your your covered period, that forgiveness period, the period where you have to use all the loan proceeds to apply for forgiveness. And so um, the implication there is you probably are going to be expected to apply for forgiveness. It it you know at least by the end of that ten month period. Um, to if to be able to get your loan forgiven, although it's not quite clear yet whether that's the case. I, I believe that's probably what is expected at this point. Any thoughts on any of that, Alicia? Before I, uh, yeah, no, you've hit the nail on the head. Um, you have ten months, ten months from the end of your covered period to apply for the forgiveness, and then. Uh, from that day, the lender has 60 days to get their decision over to the SBA, and then the SBA still has 90 days from that point in time to remit their decision. So it could be, uh, you know, over a year of deferral or more, depending on your situation. So then uh, on the payroll, so when it comes to forgiveness, and we'll shift to those, those categories, um, and, and so of changes, um, there, were, there were several kind of significant changes to this. Um, and they, they have different implications that the SBA has also issued, you know, some guidance already. Um, one of the most significant changes was uh, before there was a requirement that at least 75% of the loan proceeds needed to be used to pay uh, eligible payroll costs. Um, as you probably have experienced, some of you probably have experienced, it's been a challenge for some folks to hit that 75% number, particularly during that eight-week eight week period. Uh, that was initially uh, the case. And so that number has now been reduced to from 75% to 60%. So that allows you now to use up to 40% of the loan proceeds for eligible non-payroll costs. 
um, as a result, um, you know, you have the, you have a lot more flexibility. So Alicia, you have some, some thoughts there. Maybe you can kind of talk through some of the issues we were working through before and now how that changes that. Yeah, absolutely. So when you had the eight week period, uh, we tried to accelerate our expenses to get it inside that covered period. Um, and then the 75%, you know, we were doing some creative things with bonuses and uh, some other methods. But now that it's 60%, you know, you have a lot more flexibility with um, not trying to accelerate those payroll payments. Um, and then you can also go back and potentially free up some funds. If you were using them on questionable expenses, um, I don't want to say questionable, but maybe gray area expenses, you know, you used a thousand dollars on a utility expense that was a trash bill. Um, and maybe that's not really a utility. Well, because it's not linked to a bank account, as long as you can document, you know, you had working capital back then, you could have paid that thousand dollar bill with working capital at that time. You can take that thousand dollars back and now apply it, um, put it back into your PPP funds and then use those funds to pay for future payroll. Um, and then, then, you know, I think Chris, you're gonna talk more about the changes with the covered period, eight and 24 weeks, but now that you can opt into 24 weeks, you can spread that out further and really it should be a lot easier to reach that 60% payroll threshold. Yeah, so so that was one of the big changes. Um, you know, we, the, uh, um, before you had eight weeks to use the loan proceeds um, and you tra they tracked how you use that loan proceeds during that eight week period. Um, now that has been sh shifted. Um, we now have the ability to use the loan proceeds for over a 40, 24 week period instead of eight weeks. Um, and as Alicia said, that, that does indeed provide a lot of, lot more uh, flexibility uh, on some of those things you were kind of, questionable expenses that you were thinking about before. Do you have anything else to add to that, Alicia? Uh, so, you know, with the change of the eight week and the 24 weeks, that also changes the max compensation calculation. Uh, before it was uh, 15385 a person, but now they've changed that for owners and employees. So owners can have upwards to, I think the number is 20800 $133 and employees can have 46,154 max. Um, so you really, you have so much more flexibility um, just planning out how you want to spend your payroll. Yeah. And, and, and that was, that was a question when the flexibility act came out as, as whether or not um, that 45 is, is it, uh, 45, 154 or 46. I, I, I had written down 45 um, that um, would that apply to everyone? Cause now, but, but basically, and based on the statute, you would think that would actually be the case. The language does not limit it to limit any amounts payable to partner employees. But uh, guidance came out from the SBA, which made it clear that, you know, they're looking at this from the, the spirit of, of the CARES Act and the, and the Paycheck Protection Program uh, is that, you know, workers get, re get paid and there wouldn't be a windfall, um, you know, the concern about windfall to, to the owners. Um, basically caused them to cap it at 20,833 per, per self-employed individual uh, or any partner owner um, employees that, uh, that are involved um, in the business. And so, um, so yeah, so it's 2.5, 
divided by 12, that, that ratio is now what they're using. It comes out to 20,833 per person. I think that was one of the questions too that we got um, ahead of this was, you know, how is that being handled? And so, so yeah, so the 2.5 time, you know, um, the ratio of 2.5 over 12 is where they, they use to get to the 2833 per self-employed partner uh, owner employees. Um, you know, the other thing I would just add with respect to um, the changes, there, there, there was one other change. Which there already was um, some safe harbors there for, if you remember the, the, the CARES Act provided that, provides that there's a reduction in the amount that is forgiven based upon how many employees um, you, um, you have uh, and retain during the time period uh, of in question here. So the idea is they're trying to, I, the Congress is trying to encourage you as an employer to pay people even for not working, you know, keep them on, on the payroll. It was a way that they could get money to them instead of, or, you know, them apply, you know, your employees applying for unemployment. And so, um, so of course a condition, condition to that is that you actually have employees to, to pay. Um, and so they want to incentivize you by saying that you, your loans will be forgiven um, so long as you continue to maintain your employment levels um, and the salary that you pay your employees. Well, um, the SBA came out with some safe, kind of some, some well, I should say the CARES Act has it within it uh, a cure provision. As long as you restore the employee employment levels and the payroll levels to a certain, uh, uh, to the amount prior to COVID basically, um, by June 30th, uh, then you would be able to essentially disregard any changes in employment in that time frame, and you would get the full forgiveness amount. It, or, or a pro rata portion of it, depending on how many of those folks you rehired or the salary um, restoration that you did. Um, so the Flexibility Act kind of codified that and really the SBA has backtracked a little bit and has um, has basically adopted um, the, the, um, the cure exceptions they had before uh, they re replaced them with that in the Flexibility Act. First thing the Flexibility Act did is it now gives a cure date of December 31st, 2020. Um, so now, um, you know, instead of June 30th, you have until then, obviously with the, the pandemic kind of extending beyond June 30th uh, and, and still in full force really right now, I would say, uh, um, that is a helpful thing because a lot of folks um, are, are still gonna have financial difficulties um, between now and December 31st. And so, so this, the hope is that by December 31st, you'll be able to fully restore and then you will have no reduction in forgiveness. Um, and this, and by the way, I would say, that I would say this too, the Flexibility Act kind of limits this safe harbor to really the number of employees. Um, it's, it's not extended to the amount you pay. If you remember, if you reduced your, the pay per employee below 25%, this safe harbor does not appear to apply to those those folks um, and uh, the other safe harbor is, is basically gone at this point, as far as I can tell, uh, except for those who've already applied for forgiveness. Um, with the extension to December 31st, that gives you an opportunity to kind of adjust, I think appropriately. So I don't think anyone's very disadvantaged by that. However, the cure exceptions they did they, that are still in, in place is if someone refuses to return to work, basically, you're unable to, hire, unable to hire them if you document that you tried to and they didn't. If you uh, are not, unable to hire similarly qualified folks to replace them, um, or, and this is the probably the new the one that's most uh, unlike anything we've had so far, is if you were unable to rehire them because the, your business activity was is still at a low level, 
um, because at a lower level than pre COVID because your business is following guidance of CDC or OSHA. And so um, that's going to be kind of one of those certification scenarios where you're basically saying, Hey, this is where I am. And, and that's the reason why. And, and if that's the case, then, then the SBA is not going to, um, to reduce the amount you're forgiven based on the fact you haven't cured those rehires yet. So, um, so that's, that's, I think really kind of covers the gist of it. Um, all the other things, um, a couple other thoughts there, there, if you remember when, uh, the first loan forgiveness application came out and guidance, um, there was a, the option to, to opt into an alternative payroll period. Um, so that you, you're basically your, your payroll cost 28 week period began the, the first day of your first whole pay period within the eight week, eight week time frame. Well, that's still in existence, but now it's the, it, it's for the 24 week. And so that, that stayed around. Um, and, um, and the other thing too, that was some people had some question about when the flexibility act came out and they reduced it from 75, 25 ratio on use of the, the loan proceeds for payroll costs. Um, when they reduced it from 60 to four to 60 to 40, some folks were wondering whether there would be an opportunity to have partial forgiveness still. And, and they had made it clear that partial forgiveness is, is still going to be allowed. It's going to be kind of on a pro rata basis that, you know, if, um, to the extent you don't hit that 60% mark, you'll be penalized, but, um, just, just on a pro rata basis. So, um, anything else, Alicia, um, you want to cover in terms of planning and stuff that you think at this point? Yeah. So, uh, Chris, you mentioned that the, the, the cure date uh, was June 30th and now it's December 31st. Um, and it, it actually, just a small clarifying point, it is the date of your loan application forgiveness uh, or whatever's yeah. earlier, yeah. December 31st or the date of your loan application. Yes, I have that written down here. I just didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Um, and there is uh, a small... Uh, safe harbor for the salary reduction. So if you do cure it by that, uh, if the annual average salary does get cured by whatever that date is, there is a safe harbor for that. So you can't just cure it on the last day of the covered period. That's not going to work. Um, right. But it, it, it does have to get cured throughout oh, that sure. time period. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so then a few other just kind of planning things. Um, so, you know, the salary reduction pitfall, we just have to be really careful with that because you can actually apply for forgiveness before your covered period is up. So if it's the eight weeks, you can apply. If you've used all the loan proceeds, you could uh, apply before then or 24 weeks, you've used it up in 18 weeks, you can apply for forgiveness. But if you do have a salary reduction that exceeds that 25%, whatever that additional amount is beyond 25%, say it's 30%, you have to extend that out for the entire covered period, even though you've applied beforehand. So say that reduction was maybe $50. If it was eight weeks, um, then it would be a $400 reduction, you know, eight times 50. Or if it's the 24 weeks, it would be 50 times 24 or $1,200 in reduction. So be mindful of that um, as you're going into applying for forgiveness and curing those salaries. So um, the idea there is to kind of, um, is to, to time your application to a point where you've actually have, have satisfied the, you know, hit the safe harbor basically. Yes. Yep. Yep. Respect. Exactly. Yep. Um, and then we've already talked about it before, but you know, with this uh, salary changes, uh, you can perhaps before you were trying to 
squeeze it all into eight weeks. If you maybe want to choose the 24 week period so that you can pay yourself more as an owner, the $20,833 or pay your employees up to that 46,000. I've lost it now, 46,154 per employee. Um, but then if you have the salary uh, reduction pitfall, you might want to choose the eight week period. Uh, versus the 24 week period just to increase the amount of your forgiveness. So just think through those things, plan out your expenses. Um, and you know, your bookkeepers should be able to help you with that. Well, we've been, we've been suggesting that folks kind of just plant, just fill it out it both ways and, mm -hmm. and see, you know, for folks who, who the eight week period could apply to, you have the option to either opt into the eight week or state. And it is actually a 24 week unless you opt into the eight basically is the way they're handling it now. Um, and so, but um, so just run it both ways and see kind of how it works. If you're, if you're seeing a, a shortfall in the 24 week you know, on the eight week basis, then, then, you know, work, figure out how you need to change your numbers over the next couple few months uh, to, uh, to rectify that. Mm -hmm. uh, one, one thing I wanted to jump in and ask, um, it, it's it sort of has to do with this, but Adam, you guys have developed a tool, uh, a spreadsheet, and maybe Alicia developed it for all I know <laughs> to track, to get track with all this stuff. And so a lot of stuff has changed, you know, and so have you guys modified anything that we would want to get available to people again, or where does that stand? There's a couple of guys in town that have developed a, a new spreadsheet. Um, I think they asked not to be named if I remember correctly. Alicia, do you remember being on that email thread and they say they just wanted to, <laughs> share yeah, it they, with the public they just wanted to share it okay. yes uh some really smart folks and so they developed one that we do have that we can provide okay if you'll mm -hmm. get it to me i will um get it to everybody that um we've invited and has participated and stuff so i want to make sure we did that you bet there were a couple of questions there i guess yeah yeah there's a few in here we've got three so far um the first one um says i got my funds in my personal account on june 17th then i opened a business account on 626 and i transferred the money for tracking purposes i'm self-employed sole proprietor llc can i transfer the entire amount in one lump sum for salary or do i have to split it up into smaller payments um, I'll, I'll get, just throw this out there and Alicia can give a little more detail, but essentially they're not tracking um, the dollars, the actual dollars that you're using. Um, like they're like the loan proceeds. They're not looking to see where, what you used that specific dollar that you got from the bank goes to. They're just looking at your expenses over the period. Do you have enough qualifying expenses over the covered period? And so, um, and therefore, um, you know, ultimately, you know, it, you're going to be capped at this amount per employee um, mm -hmm. and per self-employed individual. So, Alicia, do you have anything else to say to that? Yeah. So, if you're a sole proprietor and you don't have any employees, um, they they haven't really given us a lot of guidance. It kind of sounds like it's going to be automatically forgiven to whatever point that cap is for an owner. So, you know, whether you take it in a small portion or a lump sum and it qualifies as your payroll, at this point in time, the guidance indicates they don't care. The application um, does not distinguish between. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. okay. So the next one is um, in, in regards to the 75% the now 60%, you know, payroll versus the other expenses. The question basically, is this a minimum or is it a cap? I'm a sole proprietor. The money given to me was only a couple months of pay. Can I use 100% of that money 
or payment to myself for lost revenue. Yes. The answer is yes. As long as, as long as, uh, I mean, ultimately you're, you're just subject to the cap. And so, um, so if your loan amount, if you, for some reason, you know, uh, gotten more than the two, you know, if, I mean, there's no, I really, at this point with extended to 24 weeks, you really don't have any issues because you'll be able to use all of your loan proceeds, yeah. um, in that amount because the 2.5 is basically your loan amount. Um, okay. Um, the last one that we've got on here right now is, is the limit for, um, EE's employees, the 46, 154, a gross amount, or does that include benefits? That's just the cash compensation. Right. Yeah. But I, I, Alicia, is your understanding that 401k contributions would be included in that or not? I don't believe it is. I think it's just the cash compensation portion. That's my understanding too. Mm -hmm. Those are all the questions, um, folks. If you've got other questions, please throw them up. Um, it's always great to go fast and, and be practical and get the information out, but we don't want to leave you uh, if you've got things that you want to ask that we didn't get answered. So, before yeah, we, that, we really assumed a lot of uh, uh, assumed a lot because we've covered so much already in prior prior seminars. So um, so if you got any questions about you know, anything, um, feel free to, to ask them. Yeah. Hey, I've had this. I, this has bounced up a couple of times. And so uh, I know we've covered this in the past, but just to reiterate, and I saw you guys had some notes. The, uh, the FTE count, there are some qualifications. Um, Lisa or Chris, you guys can handle this on in terms of like employees that are no longer with you for different reasons that uh, maybe you guys can talk about that again. Yeah, we, uh, I, again, I think we covered that just a few minutes ago with the, uh, um, Oh, I missed that. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, but I, I would talk sorry. about in terms of FTE, which I think is, is, is important. What she, what you're, mm -hmm. what you're trying to distinguish there is the fact that, um, you know, the way you do, you run that analysis is based on the full, the, how many full-time equivalent employees you have. Um, and so, um, from that perspective, you, that you have to look at how do you calculate what a full-time equivalent is. And so Alicia, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, well, so the FTE definition provided by the U.S. Treasury is 40 hours equals one employee, and that is the max. You can't have somebody work 45 hours and be 1.2 employees. Um, and then anything less than that 40 is 0.5 employees. So you are not trying to return uh, names. You're just trying to return that headcount um, you know, by the one or the, the 0.5. Elisa, uh, on the, the original application, um, you know, there was the option to actually give like 0.7 or 0.8 based on the number of, uh, you know, hours they actually work in, comp in comparison to 40 hours. Is that option still available as well? Not that I've seen, no. It is now either the 1 or the 0.5. Yeah. And the only rules that still apply that I have seen for any loans prior to June 5th is that you can opt into the eight week period. All the other, you know, the 60%, if you had a loan prior to June right. 5th, you still can use, you are, you have automatically opted into the 60% rule <laughs> for payroll. Right, right. Good. We've had some more questions come in. Um, so are the funds able to retro pay us back? like for April, May, and June, or is it just for future salary if you're a sole proprietor? So if you, I guess the question is if I got it June 6th, can I use the funds for the, the if I didn't, I wasn't able to pay myself April, May, and you know, in or April and May, March, April, May, 
Can I go yes. back and pay? Can I catch myself up? So a sole proprietor is capped at their um, 2.5 over 12 of their 2019 compensation. So yeah. it, it, it really, it doesn't matter when you received it. It's still that cap of the 2.5. So whether you didn't pay yourself the, you know, months ago or it's future, it, it, it won't matter in the eyes of the SBA. Okay. I, I wanted to just clarify. I actually, Lisa, I just looked at the application just to make sure they still do allow you to, to basically take the number of hours per week an employee works okay. by 40 and then you just round the nearest 10. So you can get to 0.7, 0.8 because some folks would get disadvantaged significantly if you were, if you were mm. to do that. The simplified method is what you were talking about and that, and that is also still available. So, so um, one of the questions, kind of, I'm going to bounce back and forth on some of these. So there was an ask to repeat the, the 401k and this person said, I used our match portion when I've calculated what I am using each payroll, I'm also using net payroll amount for my calculation is the first part of the question. Does that make sense? You guys, if it, it came to us as panelists on the chat, if you got the chat, you can look at it. It's the one question it. up. I guess the question is about the 401k specifically using that as benef the benefits inside of the, uh, uh, the, pay the calculation, the payroll calculation. I'll let you answer that one, Lisa. <laughs> I'm not sure I know the answer. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure if I understand the question yet. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I'm sorry. I can't see it on the Q&A, unfortunately. Or maybe it's in the chat. It's on panel. the chat. It's on the chat. It's oh, I, I see. I see. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Okay. Um, so would you repeat about the 401k? I used our match portion when I've calculated what I'm using each payroll. I'm also using net payroll amount for my calculation. So you wanted to use the gross payroll amount for your calculation because it doesn't it does include the employee's portion of payroll taxes, okay. um, but the, but the uh, compensation limitations are based on the cash limitation of the actual payroll. It should not be including the four hundred one k. The the only exception that obviously would be um, self employed individuals. Correct. Uh, that, that they're still limited to their max. So. Yes. Okay. And, 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 I, and, bar, and I guess that would apply to owner, owner um, employees as well. Mm -hmm. and, I th and I think if we're going back to this question about calculating the, the percentage of you know, FTE, same person's asking the question, if someone works eight to 10 hours a week, are they half an FTE or is it, do we use the calculation of what, you know, like it, whatever that comes out to, you know, 0 0.25. Yeah. Whichever one that is, is beneficial to you. So for example, if you've got a lot of people in the, 0.5 to, to 1.0 kind of number if you did the you know average hours per week divided by 40. Um, if you if you have a bunch of folks in there then you're going to want to prefer the more complicated you know just take every employee take the number of hours a week they work divide it by 40 and that gives you your number. If you got a whole lot of people in the 8 to 10 8 to 20 or 0 to 20 range I guess then you're probably going to use the simplified method and they all get a 0.5 FTE. Just run it both ways and see which works better. I was on. I was on mute. Um, so, any more clarification on what is determined as need in relation to available working capital or other sources of liquidity? This was from our last one that we did. If yeah, kind of a lot of uproar about. Oh my gosh! If we were, you know, what are they going to do if you know, if they're going to do a test of liquidity and now we got to pay it all back? And so, is there any more any more clarification on that? I haven't seen anything, anything additional on that yet. Have you, Alicia? 
I have not. No, no um, additional guidance regarding that. Okay. And so, so the, 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 from the past, can you, you mind just, yeah. you know, 90 seconds on what that means? Yeah, so basically, um, if your loan is under, under $2 million, this is not something you need to think about or worry about. Um, they basically said they're not going to review this. It's going to be assumed that you uh, you did not have adequate sources of liquidity. Um, and then for folks over $2 million, um, we still don't know the criteria that they're going to utilize to determine. Um, however, they have said that they will review each loan over $2 million to, to ensure that's you do have did not have adequate source of liquidity um and again it's it, i just find i think they're probably delaying that um because right now um like when whenever we took out the, the loans uh, you know everyone was borrowing you know we didn't know how long this epidemic pandemic was going to apply and and um and so so from that perspective um you people just didn't know what, you know, what it was going to be like in November, you know, and, and much less, you know, in, in May and uh, June. So, um, so what they basically said is when you apply for forgiveness, your, your loan will get reviewed uh, if you're over $2 million and they will look at that. And so um, from that perspective, it, it, you know, when you, your timing, when you apply for forgiveness um, and now with the 24 week period and an extended time period to, to apply for forgiveness, it might be one of those things where, um, where you, you can time that uh, so that it, it's you know, more evident that you had this need for, for liquidity for the, for the loan proceeds. It did not have an adequate source. Um, uh, however, um, again, we still don't know what the criteria they're gonna use. Worst case scenario, you have to return the money back. They're, they're not going to turn you over to, um, uh, to other uh, enforcement agencies. And they're not, they have just said they, they will not enforce and they do not plan on turning you over to other enforcement folks like um, you know, financial crimes and that kind so, of thing. So, question says if you opt to use. I'm out. Thanks, yeah, Adam, thanks for coming. If you opt to use the 24 week period, but you exceed it in 20 weeks, are you still liable to keep headcounts through the 24 weeks or can you base it on the 20 weeks? So, it's on the earlier of December 31st, 2020, or the date of your forgiveness application. So, if you use it all up within 20 weeks and you for, um, apply at the end of that 20th week, that's the date that matters. But you don't uh, have to apply right then, though. You can, delay, you don't you can apply in December, in December if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I, I mean, ultimately, it's, it's, you, you have a lot of opportunity to kind of plan your, you know, when you apply for forgiveness, it really is probably the primary planning tool right now is just making sure you, you can max out your forgiveness based on when you apply that application. Okay. Um, somebody asked, can you talk a little bit more about um, if you applied before and received the money before six, five, this means you have to apply with the lender for the extended period. That's the question. Do you have to go back to the lender and apply for that? Or is that just you for do, the you need to go back to, to your yeah yeah well, you do need well, to go back to your lender and have a conversation with them. Well, I think um, I think this question, maybe, this question may be too maybe nuanced. I think there's part of it where the the payback period is moved to five years. Yeah, right? that's the state. Yeah, and the second part of it is just moving everything to December, sixty percent, all that stuff. I don't think you have to do anything about no. that, right? Okay. No, you're not. It's only the payback period that you have to go back to the lender and have a conversation. The maturity date and the deferral period. If you're going to try, if you're wanting to change those things from from what you have currently, you need to okay. go back. To the lender. Okay, mm -hmm. got it. I thought I thought that was right, and I'm not the expert, but I thought that was great. <laughs>
Um, next question is, if I take all the funds in a lump sum this week as salary for myself, 20213 their sole proprietor, and I received it on 617, can I start the forgiveness process or do I have to wait eight or 24 weeks? I think we can answer that. You can do the forgiveness anytime between now and December 31st, right? It doesn't. Yeah, I think this is a clarification on the prior question where, where she was saying, which I, do I need to make these payments over time or mm. or uh, or pay them? Um, can I just do it in a lump sum? And so, um, so I, I mean, you know, I, I think you can, at, at any point, I, I think if you're self-employed and that's all you got, I think you can do that at any point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is kind of a, a, a clarification on this 401k question. I don't know if you guys can see this. Um, so can you kind of hit that? Basically, I'm confused as to why you could not count the portion of the company, the match of the employee's deduction to their 401k. I use that portion, use the portion the company contributes to the plan because that's a payroll expense. So my understanding is that it qualifies as a payroll. It is calculated as a payroll expense. So it goes towards that 60% calculation, but it does not go towards the cap for how much cash you can pay that employee. So you could pay them, you know, $46,000 plus their 401k. Okay, that's, the, that's probably the clarification. That's, that's the clarification. That's yeah, easy. that makes sense. Okay. I think that's all of our questions. Do you guys have anything else that you want to um, add to this conversation for anybody? I think uh, that's Yeah. I, I think that's it for me. We've kind of hit on all of the, the strategy and, and all the big changes. Right. And we'll, this was recorded. We'll be uploading this um, to YouTube and place it on LinkedIn and Facebook and everything else. So, um, and sending it out to everybody um, as well, if they have any more, uh, if they have anything else that they want to add. So oh, you may have, I think one more question. Oh no, I just said, thank you. Okay. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Thanks everybody. Yeah, and I appreciate, appreciate you guys being on. Yeah, thank you guys. All right, take care. Bye-bye.